In a lot of ways, the Emperor is just playing a massive game of Monopoly when you think about mm. it. Oh, God. I wonder what all the... Uh, if you had to replace like all the names of like the London streets, what would you uh, put there? Probably something... And uh, <laughs> uh, some other planets. Isfond. 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 is definitely yeah. one of the blue ones. The dark blue. Mm. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, right. Like the end. Yeah. Like yeah. Palmal. Oh, that's cool. Like, all that expensive shiz. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Lore Crimes. It has been some time since we've done the uh, the Timeline podcast, but fear not, we've not forgotten it, because today we're back coming at you live with the Great Crusade. Ooh. And uh, we're going to cover, you know, what, uh, what was going on with that, and just uh, this tide of humanity sweeping across the galaxy under the Emperor's banner. I, Killing loads of Eldar. I, you know, I tried. I tried to extend a branch with that one and not say something <laughs> sassy. But you had to throw it in. It was unavoidable, was it? Uh, Apparently. Well, before we get on to the, uh, uh, the Imperium's, uh, the rot beneath the facade showing quite nicely, as it did in the Great Crusade, uh, why don't I pass it over to Eli with the question of the week before we get this ball rolling? Mm -hmm. uh, last time we forgot to do a question but the time before that we asked you what your lore lies were and I chose a couple answers first one isn't funny but I like it uh, it says the traitors had no reason to keep the second and eleventh secret but they did anyway oh, that's, kind of, that. that's kind of true yeah Damn. I guess uh, continuity is not a thing, is it? Doubting <laughs> <laughs> the will of the emperor. How dare you? Apparently. And then I, the next two are like, sorry, go ahead, Cole. So I, I think flouting the will of the emperor kind of went out the window around his yeah. I think by <laughs> no, that point, no. it was no. the will of the emperor was the emperor. well and gone. Jeez. Um, okay, then then the next two are absolute heresy. I hate them, but they're funny, so... This, I forgot, I didn't put down the name of the first one, I'm sorry, but good job to the guy who wrote that. Uh, but this one is from Arrowvit42. The best kept secret in 40k is that the Khan could have left the webway anytime he wanted, but the Drissi is too good in Kamara to leave. <laughs> oh god. Amen. Yeah. Oh god, that's targeted. Uh, I have you seen that artwork though, where it's Gilliman and it's he's talking to the car and he's got like some some like yeah da uh, Drukari Eldar ladies. He's just like get him the things, loser. We're gonna go like <laughs> save. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's the car. Uh, uh, then he also had a little extra. Is the best secret in Age of Sigmar is that Felix did get revived as a Stormcast, but all of his baby mamas did as well. So that's why no one can find him. <laughs> oh, can that be canon? Oh. <laughs> and then Lee Doyle said something along the same lines. Uh, the Inquisition doesn't want you to know this, but Jagatai is absent from the setting due to his conquering of Jukari witches. So there you oh, go, man. fellas. He's just like all at Andy today. Apparently, his favorite. Boy. <laughs> yeah, well, who who doesn't like the Khan? I'll tell you, who. losers. There we go. <laughs> Jeez, tough <laughs> stuff. 
accuse him of being lazy. <laughs> the man who's so fast is lazy. Khan knows Eldar women are the best. <laughs> oh, stop. Okay. Oh, you know, people goodness. watch this. <laughs> you poor, poor listeners. Oh, my goodness. All right. Moving on. We our next. Oh. <laughs> okay. Our question this week is What is your imperial truth? Use hashtag imptruth uh, in the commas while you're saying it so that we can find it. Let us know the, uh, let's see, the, the unwavering truth of Warhammer Make it funny. Make it funny. Make it very funny. Funny the better. Is. Uh, for example, and, Imperial Truth, the Emperor's a god. Stop pretending he isn't Space Marines. Yeah, we need to get yeah. over that. Very true. <laughs> Alright, so why don't we get to the actual content? And I'll pass it over for the beginner section to Mr. Halorandi. I already forgot. Halorandi <laughs> <laughs> is short for Hal, short for Halbert. It's their <laughs> conglomeration of Hal and Andy. I'll pass it over yeah. to Handy. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Andy is the worst name. <laughs> okay. So, boys, uh, today we'll be talking about perhaps. Not the not the mediocre, not the average, but the Great Crusade. The humble I, crusade. The, humble, the great the, crusade. It was the great good. crusade. Then the mid crusade hey. <laughs> didn't get uh caught on. So this is the Great Crusade. And if you are new to Warhammer, this is a pretty like foundational war slash event that kind of starts the entire setting. So if you hadn't heard of it. Uh, that's okay. Uh, if you do know about it, hopefully we'll cover some more details and sort of like general events. But we're going to cover it as like a general over arc, so not specifically what every legion did because they'll be getting their own video. But we'll yeah, kind we'll of go yeah, the the, the big broad strokes. And the thing about the Great Crusade is it's kind of like the catalyst. It's it's one. It's the downfall of humanity, but it's also the the start of the resurgence for like the Eldar to an extent, and then. A few thousand years later, you get the Necron and the Tau getting involved, and but you know, chaos starts its, its big purge of you know all living things. So it's it's very much where the ball gets rolling for the setting. So uh, going straight into it, we start with the beginner section. So the Great Crusade is itself the foundation of the Imperium of Mankind. So many of the like well-known chapters, legions, figures—they're all sort of born or. Uh, come to prominence within this sort of time and it's a period where it lasts about 200 uh, years or just over I think 200 years from like start till the beginning of the Horus heresy where it all goes down the toilet and we all enjoy that because obviously that's why we're all here <laughs> so the Great Crusade started as the reconquest of the lost colonies of mankind created by the Emperor himself and this took place in the late 30th millennium. So the Emperor's just on terror. Terror isn't all unified. And now he's like, hmm, stars, rubs his hands together. They're looking a bit sexy. So he's going to go bring them into his little... Uh, <laughs> that's a empire. juicy human colony right there. I want some of that for myself. <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's a nice empire you got there. Be ashamed <laughs> if someone conquered it. Would be to lose it. Oh. He dropped his empire card. He looked... Um, so, with his armies of millions of mortal soldiers, 20 proto-legions of space marines, and his custodians by his side, the Emperor goes, it's conquest in time. 
uh, I mean, in, not in a lot of ways, ways, the Emperor is just playing a massive game of Monopoly when you think about mm. it. Oh, God. I wonder what all the... Uh, if you had to replace like all the names of like the London streets, what would you uh, put there? Probably something... Ulanor and uh, <laughs> uh, some other planets. Istvan. Macra- 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 is definitely there. one of the blue ones. The dark blue. Mm. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, right. Like, the end. Yeah, like yeah. Palmal. Oh, that's cool. All that expensive shiz. Uh, so the Great Crusade began with the conquest of the soul system. So obviously, you know, f- straight out of the gate, he needs his home base. And it begins also with the alliance with the Mechanicum of Mars, the sort of tech priests uh, brotherhood that lives upon there. We'll go into more detail about them, probably in their own video, actually, but obviously further on in this video, too. And as the Great Crusade pushed past the boundaries of the soul system, like star system after star system was just like crunked and it was all brought into imperial compliance. So this came from like primitive worlds as well, all the way up to like advanced civilizations of like human colonies. And this was from what most people don't know, like it's also done through diplomacy as well as war. So it wasn't always that space Marines were like, yo, get in there fam. That, that world's looking a bit, you know, thirsty for some stomping uh so it was often a lot of diplomatic you know lots of preaching from the uh iterators and the remembrances funny enough <laughs> so we have well, our own i, I mean remembrance. some of the planets yeah they have nice civilizations and the other ones are like eating raw meat and then the imperium goes hey would you like a microwave it's like oh of course i would that's much better than what i, what I have now you know microwave yeah. food did Birth the Imperium. Uh, mm-hmm. Don't Hot pockets saved humanity. Yes. Oh, the, ham and cheese, <laughs> the ham and cheese is the best flavor. Oh my gosh, mm. this is why humanity fell. Do we even have hot pockets in the UK? I don't think we do. I mean, I think we call them hot slices. Is that the same thing? That sounds I mean, is hot it just a, it's a little like, not biscuit, but just like, Bread filled with cheese, like a pastry you just with like a yeah, pastry. Yeah. yeah, I mean, really yeah. But, okay, people didn't come for their cheese knowledge; they came for their Warhammer. <laughs> <laughs> they might, they're like, does the emperor like brie? I don't know. Ah, uh, probably. <laughs> Actually, no, he's he's probably a heretic. So way worse, like Wensleydale. Um, so they also spread uh, throughout the growing Imperium the atheistic imperial truth. Now, this will come to bite everyone in the back like later but we'll obviously discuss a bit more of it later itself so as the imperium began to like grow and it was the decades were like just flying past they finally uh found the primarchs which had been lost sort of launched from terror if you followed our previous uh, episode the birth of the imperium go check that out if you want to and the first uh primarch that was found was our main man and sort of the <laughs> well it's very obvious what happens to him it's horus lupercal and obviously named the horus heresy later on you can probably tell how that kind of goes bad he's, and he's a good boy yeah, at first he's he's a good boy he's a favorite son at first space horus, joe rogan does fine for a while space joe rogan oh god <laughs> <laughs> i mean it's like it's like yo jamie can you pull that up and he's just putting yeah. up- just talking to the emperor like yeah jamie can you pull that up uh look at this dystopia going on what's that about hmm 
it's like, wow, that's amazing. Have you seen that video of that deer getting hit by the car? <laughs> it's just moved on. <laughs> <laughs> the whole that. thing with like, his betrayal was because he did a bit too much DMT, and that's why the Horus Heresy happened, because of all the visions he had. It was nothing there with like go. the anathema or whatever. It was just the DMT. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, some few like uh, notable things about the Primarchs, like when they f- took over their legions throughout the well, throughout the Great Crusade, they very much molded them into their own image. And when we do like their own videos about like what happens to each Primarch and their legion, we'll kind of go into how that was uh, sort of done, how they kind of reformed them. And some main like notable events during the Great Crusade are the infamous Rangdan xenocides, and we're gonna we're gonna delve into that in a bit. I can't wait. And also, two of the Primarchs themselves were expunged from the annals of history. So they didn't actually, not all 20 Primarchs made it to the end. Some of them got, you know, tripped up, crawling, didn't quite cross the finish line. There was also the war upon the world of Ulanor and the infamous triumph of Warmaster Horus and the even more infamous Council of Nikea. Mm. Probably a history fan, uh, you're probably thinking, wait, isn't the Council of Nikea, you know, wasn't that with Emperor Justinian uh, back in, you know, back in the day, pre like early medieval? No, this is not that one. This is a 40k version. It's the Council of Kynia, I think you'll find. There we go. Oh, God. And, uh, well, as the Great Crusade expanded, the Imperium grew rapidly. It's obviously thousands upon thousands of worlds were incorporated into this. Imperium of Mankind with the Emperor, but the Great Crusade didn't last forever, and unfortunately it would come to a close around about uh, two centuries in with the corruption of the Emperor's favourite son, Warmaster Horus. Horus does turn traitor, he is corrupted by chaos, and I hate to say it, Erebus was there. Ugh, I do despise Erebus. Uh, I do. Hate, I'd love to hate him, but I do hate him so much. We'll talk more about Erebus at some point. And this uh, ends the Great Crusade as the Imperium turns into civil war, and it begins the Horus Heresy. Does anyone have any uh, questions so far? Or any comments they might want to make about the Great Crusade? What was Warmaster Horus's favorite cheese? God, it's not. They don't <laughs> care about cheese. <laughs> <laughs> what about? Oh god, he's probably he he's a cheddar. He's not like he's a basic bitch, John Torres. <laughs> Nothing I'll wrong with the basics. They're basic right. for a reason. They didn't they know we didn't know we had such cheese puritans on the channel. Yeah, god. <laughs> mm, I know, snob. Okay. Oh, hey, people care it's, about cheese. Not as much as the uh, French, but you know, we're up there. It's it's not really a question, but I like to imagine like as the Imperium's boundaries slowly expand, just the Eldar craft roads like right we're staying out of this neighborhood we're uh we're taking a hard left at the next star system we find mm-hmm. <laughs> they're just like nope divert it's probably like it is like playing um someone here's done like medieval uh also age of empires 2 like multiplayer Ooh. Ooh. and the enemy team is like growing it's like yo yo stop stop chill chill and they're hitting <laughs> really rapidly and you're like I'm just over here trying to mine my gold, and it's just like it's getting out of hand. Yeah, and you and the enemy team have someone who knows exactly how to get to the third age in ten minutes and fifteen <laughs> seconds flat. 
I I did it only a few times, and I actually got like you know when you get bullied as an adult <laughs> online, <laughs> so you stop doing something. That's the only time I did it. Oh god. R.I.P. Oh. Uh, with that being said, if no one has any more questions or insights, uh, shall I head straight on into the expert section, boys? Go for it. All righty then. So. Expert time. So we begin all the way back to the beginning of our story here with the conquest of terror. So this is the 30th or the very late end of the 30th millennium. The emperor himself has unified all of terror. He's unleashed his Adeptus Astartes, which are the space marines. And the last kind of enclaves of resistance are basically quashed. No one can stand up to a space marine, let alone even the uh, previous Thunder Warriors who have been purged. And mm -hmm. at this time, the Emperor sort of spreads his Imperial Truth across Terra. This is itself a... I'm not sure if it's an actual book, the Imperial Truth. I think it might be like a manual of some kind. But the Imperial Truth itself is a... We say atheistic code, but it's not just that. It just includes many parts that deny the existence of things like yeah uh, it's, it's more like a secular than an it because atheism is like um a rejection yeah the re not no it's just the this the n not acknowledging a religion whereas secularism is more a pro pro proposition of the values of not following a religion if if the distinction makes sense i suppose yeah how did the, how did the emperor does, uh explain psychic powers to people I don't remember. Don't worry about it. It's fine. Probably. Yeah, I was going to say that his answer was, uh, <laughs> souls are just, was it just like you have special genetics. You can cast magic powers, but it's not actually magic. It's like maybe he had those, um, you know, those like little uh, devices from Men in Black where he just goes, <laughs> like you didn't see me use any psychic powers. Uh, like, from like, what I can tell, also go ahead, go ahead, Colin. He's he's got like a PowerPoint where it's like, yeah, I know souls are real, <laughs> I know magic is real, but gods, no, that one's off the table. That's just absurd. <laughs> Although I know I know in the 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 first few Horus Heresy books, like they they kind of brush off demons and stuff. It's like, oh, it's just like yeah. phenomena from weird like zeals. weird powers we just don't quite understand. Yet. Guy, bro. Just, just, just a thing. Just a silly just little a dude. Just a silly what? dude with. 17 rows of teeth and claws <laughs> it's fine. you know it's like that whole thing of like if you show if you showed people technology in the past they'd think it was magic and they're kind of along that line of like oh we just don't understand it yet it's just some silly little thing don't worry this is, this is 100 like a michelin web uh skit <laughs> <laughs> um, from what i can tell though i think they the way they talked about it in like the early horus heresy slash great crusade like books they describe it more as like a kind of there's like a scientific reasoning for it. So they describe it as like weapons rather than like a mystical art. They don't really uh, understand at the time or perhaps kept in the dark many of the uh, psychers that are living in the Imperium that oh their belief actually like powers psychic um, powers themselves. Sorry, powers powers. I mean, is it more like they're just saying, oh, it's it's more like the X Men, like it's a mutation. It's it's not psychic yeah. powers. It's just supernatural. Not even supernatural. It's just weird superpowers we've kind of gained as a mutation. Don't worry about it. It's yeah, when when there are like aliens in the universe. This is like a this is just a little bit of a step up. Mm. It's not quite. Uh, they're not they're not made it mystical um, quite yet, but they they'll soon find out. And soon in two hundred years, they'll find out. Mm. Um, so the Emperor begins 
the conquest of the stars. It's a big event, and the emperor is actually personally kind of leading this charge out into the the you know bringing the lights towards the stars, even though the stars are light. You know, he's a he's a contradicting figure, shall we say? And this conquest begins with the colonies on the moon, which are called Luna at the time, and the colonists describe the attack of the space marines as so like brutal that they say the emperor you know pull back your walls essentially and this was something that got earned the legion the lunar wars their kind of nickname supposedly which the lunar wars will be quite prominent in the uh, great crusade mm. and the emperor also has his communes with the mechanicum of mars this sort of tech priest brotherhood and they believe him to be the omnisire and the Omnisire, just like a brief rundown, the tech priests of Mars kind of worship the machine god and like technology itself. And they believe the Omnisire is like a, a physical representation of the machine god in the universe. And they kind of like test the emperor by like asking him to fix basically an unfixable device. And obviously the emperor being thousands of years old, you know, uses his knowledge and he does fix it. So like, mm. oh my God, he fixed the toaster that my waifu toaster. Well, well they're like, I want, I want you to get to level 1000 on the original Pac-Man and then you can prove that you really are the on the side. And he goes, okay, <laughs> done it. So yeah, so the um, Mechanicum of Mars, they go, oh, you know, you're basically Jesus. So they ally <laughs> with the emperor and they agree to, uh, forge like weapons and mass produce sort of armor and munitions for the enormous and growing armies of the emperor and Although, with his uh, okay, i do think it's important to uh, note that not all of them went along with this willingly yeah later uh, initially they uh plenty of them were like this is the omnisaya although plenty others were uh, not quite so down with that and were rather forced into that role. And that'll come up later in the heresy. It certainly does. And so with the Emperor having his 20 legions of thousands of uh, space marines, he has, uh, at this time, no Primarchs currently, although there is a stipend. <clears throat> yeah, there, there might perhaps be a Primarch, but we'll tackle that Maybe. in his own uh, video at some point. But so there's currently... 20 legions that have no uh, Primarch leaders. They are led by the Space Marines or like a chosen nominated. Yeah, usually it's a Lord Commander that, that would lead them. And uh, they, and alongside the Emperor himself, you know, a fleet full of warships and the custodians, the Emperor's like personal guard, they launch out into the further galaxy and they start to begin their conquest, which they actually call the reunification of the colonies of mankind as it's previously uh, mankind had spread to the stars and obviously with the age of strife collapse everyone was isolated so it's, it's more like a uh you know it's like it's like if rome fell and something someone went oh rome 2.0 and then you know it's like i guess it's like emperor justinian coming back to rome sort of uh if everyone knows their history and i'll pass over to andy to talk about kind of Something special they found as they started to spread out to the stars. Take it away, Andy. Uh, yeah, so uh, during the initial stages of the expanse across the stars, uh, we mentioned that obviously the Emperor hasn't got any Primarchs yet. However, there is a very, very close proximity by the name of Cophonia. 
Now, Cofonia used to be this uh, mining planet that was full of bountiful riches and minerals. You know, I don't think it states explicitly what it was, but just just imagine, you know, that scene um, in Snow White where all the dwarves are just like hammering away at like precious rubies and stuff and it's all shiny. Uh, probably that. Lots of gemstones, maybe some stuff to make weapons with, Promethium, whatever. Um, but ever since the Age of Strife, this planet has been completely gutted and it's now no longer got much value. And what is, what is actually left on the planet is somewhat scrapped upon by a, bu a bunch of uh, rival gangs. And the gang lords rule this planet with a an iron fist, but also they do they do govern to an extent. And fortunately for Cofonia, or maybe unfortunately, a young man by the name of Horus happens to land upon the planet. Now, the the accounts vary about what exactly happened with Horus's time on Cofonia because it's it's kept obscure quite um what's the word quite uh gw don't want you to know too much because the mystery is kind of intriguing but uh, what we do know is that horus ascends up the ranks of the gang culture and after a few years he manages to become the guy in charge uh, the way well, i know i've mentioned it in the podcast before but i would say he becomes like the michael corleone the godfather of cofonia and uh the master of mankind acronym mum so mum or mom finds Horus. Mom goes, oh, there's one of my sons. He's quite a piece of work. Uh, he's already basically gotten in charge of this uh, pretty brutal gang culture. Um, I think I'll take him under my wing and show him the ways of the universe. And for a time, Horus is the only Primarch, ex <clears throat> except one possibly with Orpharius. Um, Quick question. Who, Does yeah. the... Uh... Does the Emperor make Horus an offer that he can't refuse? Yeah, to be honest, I, I don't think it's mentioned whether or not Horus objects. Because some of the Primarchs go, I don't really want to be part of this. But from what I can tell, Horus just goes, yeah, that sounds pretty sweet. I'll, uh, yeah, this makes sense. Look at this gold dude who's like 17 foot tall and this massive fleet. And I've grown up on this, like, like the equivalent of... Um, the north of England, where all the mines are closed, like all oh, the mines are closed. <laughs> is it not Chicago? <laughs> oh, Chicago! Yeah, it's just like yeah, Chicago in the nineteen fifties. But we've—I've like, never even been. I just ones. know it's bad. Is it bad, Colin? <laughs> what? That Chicago sucks. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you, I, I just you, know the reference. I mean, you've probably been, you've been talking to me long enough. <laughs> Fair enough. I uh, I do not have the uh, the kindest opinion of the city I'm nearest. Uh, well, but, uh, know, the musical's nice, at least. Uh, yeah, you know, musical's nice. And to be fair, I'm sure some of it is. I don't live in the in the heartland of the city, as it were. Uh, mm -hmm. Some of my friends do swear by the city. Uh, just not my style, as it were. I'm going to continue to make fun of it for comedy's sake. <laughs> well, either way, uh, Space Chicago, uh, or Cofonia, <clears throat> as it would be known, um was one of the was because it was one of the first places with a primarch that was found it was also one of the first places where they started inducting astartes into the legions the lunar wolves the 16th legion already had a reputation during the uh, unification of terror uh, i believe the citizenry to this day in the universe refer to the howl of the wolf as something to be feared because of their reputation and 
Because Horus is now being mentored personally by the Emperor, there's no other Primarchs. He's getting very strong, he's getting very wise, he's getting very skillful at the arts of diplomacy and war and governance. And I believe for about 20, I think it's 20 years, he's the only one who's being mentored by the, the Emperor, apart from <coughs> possibly Alpharius. But we'll just say, yeah, it's just him for, at least Imperial Records, he's the only one that's ever mentioned. Um, and it would the next Primarch that would be found would be Lehman Russ. And I'm just going to go through like a list of the, the order of the Primarchs that are found. So bear in mind that the Lunar Wolves are now very, very capable. The other legions are doing stuff all across the stars. They're all doing great. But without their Primarchs, they're not doing... They're, they're not they're not reaching their full potential. So the the first Primarch to be found by records is Horus. The second is Lehman Russ. And Lehman Russ is a stark contrast from this very, uh, you know... Uh, sharp-edged but quite suave and charismatic leader to this like barbarian king but you know he's 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 a very good killer and so is his legion so they're quite useful uh the third primarch to be found is the elusive second primarch we know barely anything about the second primarch Do we, does anyone have any tidbits they can add to other than ooh, mystery because i he He's was, uh, pretty mysterious, isn't he, this one? was The second was the one that Fulgrim said was rather humorless, and he also called him a hypocrite. <laughs> uh, yeah. With, that's, that's about all the solid information we got on him, which is more than the mm -hmm. ninth, and it's two sentences. True. It's, uh, yeah, it was, I think Fulgrim said he's normally humorous, humorless, and uh, he called him a hypocrite when the second said Fulgrim was being vain when he said he could conquer a world with just eight space marines. Mm. Uh, so I, that's the that's the end of the lore. <laughs> I know there's uh, there's been some speculation. Uh, for example, Rogue Hobbies did a video about like maybe the second legion was the uh, Rainbow Warriors because of like their ancient Aztec theme, and maybe the Primarch was the leader of them. But and it's like this world called Prism, which is redacted. But mm -hmm. it's all unknown. Who knows? It's the Second Legion. That's also there. That's all we know. <laughs> that's for also sure. for some meta history, because in the I think the original 40k, all 20 original legions were known, and the Rainbow Warriors, and I think like the yeah. Valedictors were another one. I believe yeah, that's them, possibly. Uh, so, um, but that's been retconned away. At least yeah. that being feels the bad. certainty feels bad. Mm. And they got a cool uh, paint paint scheme as well. Um, but the next Primarch to be found is Ferris Manus, and we've mentioned him before. He's actually like very important as far as uh, mentoring the other Primarchs. Because when you think like, who's Lehman gonna like? I like Lehman Russ, but who's he gonna mentor other than me? And like, let's go for a drink and then punch someone. Like, okay, Lehman, calm down. Uh, Horus is quite busy as like the the Wunderkind of the Emperor. So Fer Ferris is very much like the mentor for a lot of Primarchs to follow. Uh, funnily enough, the next Primarch to be found is Fulgrim, uh, everyone's favourite uh, uh, hedonist and, uh, you know, the only Primarch to ever liberate his homeworld without violence, which is pretty cool. Um, Eli's favourite, we should mention. Eli's well. favourite, yeah. I love my boy. Mr. Versace via 40k. Um, so the next Primarch to be found is Vulcan, uh, everyone's big teddy bear, who uh, is a master forge, forge crafter and also... Uh, has a reputation for being just like the swellest guy when he's not burning Eldar children alive, but the swellest guy. Uh, I mean, he's still pretty swell when he's doing that. I don't know. All right, that's, hey. that, that's rather rude. <laughs> child, it was um, a child. 
thing is, uh, is an Eldar child, like, do they grow up the same age as, like, a six-year-old is the same as a six-year-old Yeah, human? she was, like, 60, bro, come on. We did not support oh, man. El the, uh, Metka Eldar child. This is uh, this is this is off topic, but uh, <sighs> in the in the in the Damocles Crusade books, a watercast a little innocent watercast Tao is trying to talk down this Ultramarine and she's like, Would your ancestors oh. and your god be proud of you for Striking down an innocent, unarmed being, and then Chaos Akarius comes in and kills her and says, Yes. <laughs> he just so says awesome. yes and puts his foot through her chest. Wow. I'm liking Kato Sakarius a bit more. <laughs> <laughs> That's quite a move. That's a power move. Based on Sakarius. For real. There's a guy who's like one of our commenters in the I Kato Sakarius. There's a guy who's Kato in the comment section. We see you. Yeah, brilliant. We love you. Um, so yeah, the next one to be found is Rogel Dawn, everyone's favorite brick wall. Um, everyone's you know, favorite brick wall. Like yeah, it's that. true. I mean, he would probably call himself a brick wall as well. I mean, I do like his, he gets a bit more personality in the Siege of Terror, but not under the best circumstances. Uh, but again, he's very good in terms of, oh, we've now got our first builder on board. Nice, like Vulcan crafts things, but he kind of like crafts doomsday weapons more than like anything else so uh, they um, fortified his personality in the siege of terror <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> uh and and funnily enough um the first emperor to be brought into the fold because he he ruled the inwit empire followed by him we have another emperor rabute gilliman the eighth primarch to be found who uh we don't need to say much about rabute he's just already killing it as far as things go he's got the most worlds he's got his own military, his own civilization. He's smashing it. Everyone, well, Colin loves him a lot. Don't you, Colin? I do. You do. I like him. Um, He's cool. And, and having Rogel and Rabute in quick succession is like, oh, brilliant. That's great. Um, <laughs> the Empire building is coming along swimmingly now that they're at the helm. Mm hmm. And then the next uh, four are interesting. Then it's Magnus, everyone's favorite nerd. Um, so we start to understand the magic that's not magic. Um, he's very studious. He starts to uncover some of the secrets of the warp. And, and this is when the cracks start to form. And the Emperor's like, dude, stop it. Stop. Stop. I told you. No reading after 9 p.m. Go, go, go be like the normal children and play football or something. I don't know. If you do, um, I'll burn your world to the ground. And then everyone's uh, favorite... Uh, a goody two-shoes Sanguinius is found uh, from the irradiated planet of Baal. Sanguinius is now, uh, now he's in, in play. The Imperium's got a, a very majestic, aific-looking person to look up to, despite the Imperial truth. And you've literally got a winged angel in gold, but, you know, to each their own. Um, the next one to be found is the Lion. So we've now got uh, the the... The, the returned Primarch that's in the news at the moment, but also the best general, arguably, other than Horus. So that's quite good for the Imperium, because now they've got two very big heavy hitters for just, we need something to be exterminated across the stars. Horus can go to the east, Lion can go to the west, and they'll come back and uh, everything will be dead and we'll be happy and we'll have champagne. Uh, then we've got everyone's favourite... Uh, I was going to say Edge Lord, but it's not Kurz. Uh, Perturabo, uh, everyone's favorite um, man expression. Child. Man child, man child, yeah. Expressio um, depressio. 
I mean, it's it's cool that Perturabo is here, but we've already had Rogaldorn five Primarchs ago, so he's already got a lot to catch up with, which is oh, probably don't why do he's... my boy like that. Come on, I dead. mean, he's he's cool and everything, but I'm, I'm just saying, at least for the timeline, like Rogaldorn is already like he's already turned up. Illumin's yeah. already turned up. The lions here, it's like yeah. there's kind <laughs> of less things for him to do now that they're already being like attended to which I think is also one of the reasons why he gets quite embittered. But, you know, we've now got the guy who's like a like a living manual. He's like a living PDF file of, I want to build something, get Purty to, to craft it for us. Um, and he starts he starts um, committing war crimes here and there, but also building occasionally, so that's nice. Uh, speaking of war crimes, then we've got Mortarian. Um, smelly, often... smelly Rick and Morty. <laughs> Morty. <laughs> smelly than he will be. Uh, Terrible hygiene, but greater, you know, uh, chemical warfare. Moving swiftly on. Uh, oh, no. We've got Lorgar. Everyone's um, favorite. Uh, choir boy. Choir boy during the age of skepticism. And, uh, you know, religion is cringe. So, uh, you know, to be fair to Lorgar, he does bring a, a lot of worlds into compliance, but not so much through bloodshed as uh, indoctrination. So that's fun. And then the best Primark turns up, Jagger Tycon, baby! Whee! Yeah, true, real. Gotta go fast, gotta go fast. Um, not much to say other than Jagatai is like, oh, cool, I get to go around the galaxy and kill orcs. Nice. Moving on, um, here comes the Edge Order. Conrad Kurz is next. Uh, adding his baggage to the Emperor of Mankind like a 10-ton brick. Um, oh, Kurz... I, what is Kurz? He he brings Wells into compliance, and he cries a lot. Um, speaking of crying, Angron is next. Uh, again, comes into the Great Crusade, uh, revving his, his chain axes, covering people in Spartacus. I am uh, Sp Spangrinus. I am Spangrinus. Uh, Spangrinus doesn't hit right. That just sounds off. No, no, it doesn't. Spangrinus. It's like roll Spartacus. That around your mouth a bit. It's like Spongrinus. a brand of like <laughs> diapers, isn't it? Oh no. Spangrinus. Uh, for when you just absolutely missed the loop. <laughs> moving on swiftly. Down, bringing it down. <laughs> I said moving on swiftly. Uh, moving on swiftly, we've got um, Hot Topic, the Primarch Cor Corvus Corax is here. He's very sneaky. Moving on. Uh, then it's the 11th Primarch who has more uh, more more presence than court no i won't say that uh the 11th primarch is here uh who this is the thing the second half of the primarchs it's like they're here committing war crimes these guys who they they kill things cool uh and then finally uh omegon slash alfarius is found and that's all the primarchs they're back baby and uh because uh you know the imperium's doing quite well at this point um but there are some conflicts waging across the stars which are actually becoming a bit of a hindrance to the progress of the Great Crusade, such as the Rangdan Xenocides. And so I will pass it back over to Hal, because uh, this this bit's quite quite an interesting part yeah. of the lore, but you need Primarchs to really like sort it out. Oh, just also on a last note, if you are kind of new to Warhammer, the rediscovery of the Primarchs happened... So they weren't all found in like quick succession. Like oh no, every, it wasn't like a few days. <laughs> they were over like many decades. They were all found. Like even some of the later ones, kind of it was like a century into the Great Crusade. I think that's when the last ones were found. So it, was, it took a it took a while to like you know Pokemon catch them all. Um, yeah. But speaking of the Imperium's Great Crusade, uh, 
it's big now. The Imperium is enormous, and they've captured many stars, purged many Xenos, <laughs> Eldar, unfortunately. Um, many, yeah, some craft worlds have, uh, mm. you know, bit the dust. Very sad. And the Imperium has expanded to, you know, a, a humongous level. But despite that, the there was a, a war called the Rangdang Xenocide, which was happened in uh, 839 M30 to 890. So it took quite a while to get this war finished. And this was uh, probably the toughest enemy the uh, Imperium had to fight. And this is with its mostly full strength as well. So the Rangda were like a advanced Xenos species who, as I said before, they kind of matched almost the Imperium's might. And the Rangda used slave armies of other intelligent uh, Xenos species. So they were pretty like rough, these guys. And they even had uh, some known as the Slaw, which still exist to the modern timeline. These are known as the Maggot Men, who like weirdly like, devour people and stuff. So they had even like a like a species that powerful, they had that like slave collared to their will, and uh, it's actually kind of theorized that this might be some like Lovecraftian like gods influence here, like to the level of power that these uh, Rangdan or Rangda had, and the war of the Rangda or the Rangdan Xenocides was apocalyptic. It was nearly every legion uh, was represented at some point during this battle and it cost millions upon millions of lives and over 80,000 space marines uh, did not make it towards the end. They were slain or at some point I reckon maybe they were attempted to like slave the space marines, the Rangda, so there might have been some uh, tomfoolery, shall we say. And this had a massive shift in the power balance of the legions in the Great Crusade, so the Previous first legion, Lionel Johnson's legion, they were no longer the most numerous out of all the legions, as they were, you know, the first legions. They usually had the most uh, amount of space room before, but this just changed it drastically to where, like, the ultramarines were now actually the most numerous. I think Colin does it like two hundred fifty thousand, like at the height of the ultramarines' uh, power. I, I don't know if believe I believe it's I believe it's something like that i also have that number yeah. in my head so you're not pulling it out like of that. nowhere it's like, it's it's like them and the lunar wolves are in the 200 plus that's for yeah sure. it was enormous and a whole lot of smurfs. actually <laughs> a lot of smurfs and this war was devastating and actually required the emperor to personally intervene towards the end of it to kind of finish it and Another event sort of that happened within the Great Crusade was around the same time of the Rangdan Xenocides, two of the Primarchs, the 2nd and the 11th, were expunged from the annals of imperial history. And these are often referred to as the Lost and the Damned. There's obviously a heavy amount of speculation about what happened to these particular Primarchs. They are very much like completely mysterious we only get like snippets of them from the law and even the memories of these primarchs were partially wiped from the uh still existing primarchs minds they can kind of recall like the full like the fulgrim comment uh column where like he could recall what he was like but then like some of them had their names 
um, like wiped from some memories. Like even their statues that were on terror, they were I destroyed. I do like that they they didn't go. Oh, we're just going to wipe everyone's memory. They're like, we're going to wipe everyone, and we're going to leave like a show of they used to be here. Like, why not just get the statue plimps out of the way as well, and then you could really forget them. It seems a bit weird to just be like a bit of a troll and go. <laughs> we still got the plimps here. Like, why? Just it was like, is it um, or don't? I think Gilliman does he say like. In the 40th millennium, when they are creating the primaris, he says to uh, call, like, don't touch their gene seed. It's like, there's nothing wrong with their gene seed, like, call says and responds. But he's like, no, these two failed. So they're in, like, they, even the way, like, they talk about the traitor primarchs, that they, like, betrayed, but Gilliman states that those two primarchs failed in some way. And yeah. And there's even that bit where um, Horus, Alpharius, and Jagatai, I think, are, are having yeah. a. A chat they with Malkador in there, and then it leads to Malkador like force choking horrors, and it's like, oh no, don't mention them. It's really bad. Yeah, and as I think at most we can get, I think Horus tries to whisper one of their names, and like Malkador just like no, like woke eyes, and just goes, "Not today, Sunny Boy." And oh, Malkador being the advisor of the Emperor and a very powerful psycho, if you're new to Warhammer, and there's also a slight bit of information where they. It was, I think, during uh, was upon terror in the vaults under the Imperial Palace, which are guarded by the custodians themselves, there's a certain prisoner called Subject 11. And apparently that this is, uh, like, some hints that this might be either a Primarch or maybe, like, the body of a dead Primarch. We're not really 100% sure. But so at this point during the Great Crusade, it's very much like, oh, there's eight, you know, there was 20 and now there's 18 and like two whole legions are gone. And again, it's not quite the grim dark future yet. So it's not all doom and gloom, but it's still a bit of a, uh, there, there's some showing of how the emperor operates and how he's very much like a, oh, the, the, the stain couldn't exist. And, but the great crusade was not uh, fully hampered there after the Rangdan Xenocides. In fact, uh, someone would start to be more ascendant. And I'll talk, oh, sorry, I'll hand it over to Andy to talk about the next stage of the Great Crusade and the rise of Horus. Well, at, th at this point, as you mentioned, um, some some of the uh, the pedigrees of certain legions have waxed and waned because of the Rangda. Like, for example, the Dark Angels were the first legion and they had the best toys, they had the biggest guns, and... Because they were sent into into the Rangda Xenocides, and it's like such a hazardous place, they got completely broken down, especially when you consider for a while they didn't have their Primarch. Horus has been there from the beginning. Uh, he's always more... If you think of the timeline of the Lunar Wolves, pretty much the entirety of their service, with a slight bit at the beginning, he's been there. So they've always been in their prime. And by uh, the dawn of the 31st uh, millennium, so... You know, the Imperium is doing quite well. We've got rid of the Rangda. Yay! We've got all our Primarchs. Yay! Oh, what's that? And um, unfortunately, because of all, possibly because of all the, the, the extermination that the uh, Imperium has been doing across the stars, some of the civilizations keeping back a certain Xenos race have uh, not been there to stem the tide. And at this point, the Ulanor Crusade is, is launched at 000.m31, where the Orc Xenos have exploded in populace. Now, we're talking about the single largest orc wave of, you know, virulent levels of armies the galaxy has ever seen. Like, there's never been this many orcs ever in Imperial records. 
and it takes every single legion, millions and millions of uh, Imperial Guardsmen, countless fleets of Navy ships and auxilia to combat the threat. Uh, but primarily, all the legions are, are pushing the orcs back to wherever they came from. And eventually they corner them at the Ulanor system. Primarily the Ultramarines and White Scars start uh, you know, clipping the wings of the orcs uh, in the Ulanor system until they find that the, the primary location where their war boss Erlak Erg is located is on Ulanor Prime. At this point the Emperor says, right, I've had enough of these orcs. Horus, Gavia Luna Wolves uh, will get 8 million Imperial Army uh, soldiers and we're just going to, you know, invade Ulanor Prime. Uh, fun fact, this is the planet that will one day be known as Armageddon. So the Emperor, with Horus at his side, invades Ulanor. And it's massive. We're talking, yeah, like 100,000 Astartes, 8 million Imperial Guardsmen, thousands of Titans. And it's a huge battle. And eventually they, they locate this uh, this kind of, uh, I guess you would call it like a, a, a shrine or a, a, a tower where Erlak Erg and his lieutenants are, are, are basing their HQ. And so Horus goes, right, I'm going to end this. He teleports with his Justerian elite bodyguard onto the spire and confronts Erlak Erg. Uh, with the aid of Ezekiel Abaddon in, and the Justerian, he fights Erlak Erg. He eventually cripples him so bad, he hefts him over his shoulder and chucks him over the edge of the ramparts of the tower until he just splatters on the ground at the base of it. Um, he finds all of his men other than uh, Abaddon are dead, uh, but the, the battle's been won, and the orcs have been completely routed, and without their war boss, they completely panic and start you know, getting butchered by any of the lunar wolves still present on the system. Now, it takes about a year for the remaining uh, planets around Ulanor to be... Um, should we say retaken by the Imperium? So all, all the all the legions chip in and start retaking planets. The Lunar Wolves, because they've won the main battle, are going. Yeah, we did the most work. We've we've taken the most planets. Because why wouldn't they? And as a show of um, recognition for their work, the Emperor says, "Right, we're going to have a massive parade on Ulanor." Uh, so the Ulanor Triumph is uh, taken upon Ulanor Prime. The Adeptus Mechanicus like flatten the entire area. They they like basically just kind of like concrete bulldoze make it nice they make a huge pavilion a huge statue for the emperor and horus they make it really really over the top it's like uh i think it's something like 500 kilometers of granite that they place out so they can have oh, a, a gigantic Lord. parade like yeah we're not no, going it's... we're not going like small we're gonna have a huge parade with every conceivable regiment every legion and a bunch of uh the all the Primarchs are invited, apart from the two that were, you know, censured. But they don't count. Uh, uh, sorry, so they they don't count. They, they don't count. All of the um, Primarchs were invited. All nineteen that were originally created. Mm -hmm. Yes, nineteen yeah. of twenty-one, um, or is it eighteen of twenty? Wink, wink. Um, They're but, uh, in but, the naughty corner. They're not allowed. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but to, to be fair, some of the some of the Primarchs are busy. They they already have a previous engagement. They're like, sorry, sorry, Dad. Uh, me and my me and my girlfriend Shannon are going out tonight for dinner. Uh, we Shannon. can't make it. Yeah, um, Shannon. Which Primarch said that? You you have the to lion. The lion. The lion. The lion can't talk to girls. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why you never see her because it didn't go very well. Um, so. 
Yeah, but but of the Primarchs who can make it, uh, Horus, Sanguinius, Mortarian, Magnus, Angron, Jagatai, Lorgar, Rogodorn, Fulgrim, and also Malkador and Constantin Valdor are there for the the big uh, the big gathering, and they have a lovely time. Um, there's also some uh, Sisters of Silence being represented, some Warlord Titans and their Legios because they were obviously very important, killing hundreds of thousands of uh, orcs under their boots, and all the respective legions for all of the Primarchs who could attend. Uh, and some and some Primarchs send like a small detachment to be like, hey, uh, we couldn't make it, but here's like some of my men as a show of, you know, contrition. Um, the fact that they all the fit end... on one square is, is probably like the... <laughs> it's like literally having every celebrity in like mm. the world on like one square. You kind of go, wow, that's the most expensive square technically on in the entire universe. I, I do like the idea that though again like the first thing the emperor did was like right we're gonna have a big and just he just like bulldozed the entire planet and just got like we need like a lot of concrete and just i know it's in one of the books where they mention about the the proceedings and like the gargantuan scale of like the mechanicum just flattening the landscape and pouring concrete and making all these elaborate statues and everything's like oh that's quite impressive and the, again this is peak imperium this is when they have they have basically overcome the last hurdle for them easily dominating the galaxy um and for for horus's work uh in killing erlak ergin his legion being the legion that that toppled the great menace to humanity the emperor bequeaths him a title uh he calls him the war master of the imperium and he also asks horus to rename his legion not as the lunar wolves but the sons of horus now Horus initially doesn't want to do this because he doesn't want it. He's, he's not too egotistical. He's like, ah, it's, it's a bit cringe. But he's like, oh, and eventually he relents. And when they do, they repaint their armor from pearlescent white to this kind of deep sea green. It looks way cooler. Teal, some people yeah. also, yeah, some people also reckon maybe it's like a kind of, it's like a slight against the orcs. Like, hey, it's the same like shade as all those orcs we like maimed. Like, cool. Just, just putting the salt in the wound. Um, but as as Warmaster, uh, Horus has ascended as the first among equals. He is the most important Primarch, bar none. He has, you know, bound, boundless glory and respect cast onto him. And to be fair to Horus at this point, he is a little bit shy about it. He's like, oh, my, my brothers are all great. I'm a charismatic guy, but I don't want to be in. I want. To, I don't want to see them as inferior to me. Fair enough, but again, the emperor has a. Uh, the emperor has something important to do. Um, in the back rooms, he is working on a very, very secret project called the Webway Project, and he doesn't want anyone to know about it because it's very need to know. It's very, very you know, hush hush, and it's very important because it's going to allow the last hurdle for humanity to be overcome, which is interstellar travel through the Eldar Webway. So he doesn't tell anyone, not even his Primarchs, and he says to Horus, right, Warmaster, great work with Ulanor, I'm going home. And he goes back to Holy Terror, he takes his men, he takes his custodians, and he says, your job is now to lead the rest of your brothers to finish the Great Crusade. I know you'll do well, kisses them on the cheek, and says, bye-bye, I'm going back to Terror. And uh, that's basically the Ulanor Crusade and Triumph. So uh, is there anything you wanted to add, uh, Hal? I thought my favorite part of this is when they're like, you know, thousands and millions of, like thousands of um, space marines and like millions of mortal men that they're all in the parade ground. 
there's a part where like the emperor sits on like a throne. He's like on the TVs and like they all look at him and literally everybody just starts weeping. Like even yeah. the space marines, like they have that stoic face, but like he's the most beautiful. He's like he's like a muck rib. Like you know you're like drawing. You know that meme. What? Uh, I can't remember what cartoon it is, but it's just like there's only one cool guy, and he's got like the wing mirror, and he looks. Oh like yeah, it's from uh, the Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy. Yeah, yeah, that one. <laughs> yeah, he's literally the most like he's like um he's like fast food when you're drunk, essentially. Like that's there's the a way they look in at that the scene, isn't there? It's... Where it's like, oh, he's so great, and then he's like, I'm off. What? <laughs> yeah, I everyone. Freak out a little bit. It's uh, it also Ulanor has probably the most recognizable art piece about the Primarchs uh, oh, that yeah. you've probably yeah. seen. It's, it's where nine of them are standing on that balcony that must be made out of the strongest metal the Imperium has because nine <laughs> Primarchs are standing. <laughs> can on I that. can I make a slight critique of that art piece? By all means. Why does Angron look like a goblin? It's weird. He's just like a <laughs> little guy, and like you got like these very tall Primarchs, and he's just there, and he looks kind of small and weird. He's he's, he was known to be short, wasn't he? Or like Wolverine, like, oh, short like king? I think Angron was <laughs> Angron was like hunched, wasn't he slightly? Oh yeah, yeah. he's uh he's got his left hand on the rail, like gripping it and breaking it. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, yeah. He's, like, he's just there, like kind of going, yeah. Like, and even Magnus is looking at him like, what a weirdo. <laughs> also, a bit of criticism, also for that art piece. Uh, not even criticism, just something I want to point out. Half of those columns and like the railing is full of cracks. <laughs> like the, whatever they used for this granite was clearly gotten on the cheap. Mm. To be honest, imagine that foreman. That must have been stressful. Like the emperor himself is coming. <laughs> I've got to build oh, a pavilion in five days with five hundred kilometers. Like ugh, I'm not going to be asleep this whole week, right? Okay, roll up my sleeves. Be tough stuff. Tough job. Uh, with that being said, though, should I take it to the next part of the? Uh, Council of Nikea. Mm. So the next, uh, so this is in the timeline where we're about two centuries in. The great, the Imperium is now the preeminent power in the galaxy. Worlds upon worlds have been conquered. Xenos have been purged. And I think they said that this, I might be incorrect here, but I think they make a quote about. I think there are about two hundred fifty thousand worlds in the Imperium at this point. There's kind of I heard that somewhere, but that's like the kind of level they're at. Obviously, the forty-first millennium, they said like a million worlds. So yeah, the premium does grow. Who knows? I mean, if anyone wants to, you know, critique that, they can go and count them themselves. I suppose uh, <laughs> every world. God, how many of them are named like Terra, Terra One, Terra Two? Like yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Especially when you get like Terra. something like just like this planet is called six five nine eight four one F two, and you're like, oh, that's that's wordy, brilliant. Diet Terra. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, <at> some point. <laughs> Terra Light. But, um, so the Imperium is enormous and it's, you know, been two centuries of nonstop conquering war and the pace kind of slows down where like everyone, I think even Jagatai like says in his own book, he says, I think everyone knows now that the pace of conquest is slowing down. It's kind of the last remnant. Yeah. He gets like, a bit like, Oh, what, what am I going to do? Oh, there's nothing else to do. Oh. But funny enough, trouble does find its way uh, find its way to the Imperium, and mm. only a few short years after the ascension of War Master Horus, there is there's been a growing tension within the Imperium, and that's the question around the use of psychic abilities, which is using the powers of the warp. And this all comes to a head 
in the Council of Nikea, which actually happens on the world of Nikea, funny enough. And it's actually very cool. It's like this like hollowed out um volcano and like the roof is like all glistening and it's like shiny. And the Council of Nikea is a the Emperor actually comes back from terror. Funny enough, he goes, I'm off the terror boys, and then he comes immediately back, like a few short years later. He's like, All right, let's do this council. And <laughs> like they're all squabbling. He's like, I leave for ten minutes and you can't be friends come on can't even behave Mm. he just it it didn't take long and this uh council um is well it's kind of also known as the trial of the thousand sons or magnus the red's legion and magnus the red's legion a bit of a tongue twist there and um this was a massive like conclave where like most of the primarchs and many of the legions, kind of like on Ulanor, they have representatives come to discuss the use of psychic abilities continuing within the librarius, which are the uh, legions themselves, like the uh, space marines who are psychically gifted. And this was essentially a versus of two sides. So this was a uh, gathering of what was Magnus, Jagatai Khan, and Sanguinius, who previously, like, they had figured this was coming. And so they penned something called like, uh, the Librarius Code, which mm. was like a doctrine of um, kind of more a more measured use of psychic abilities within the legions because they knew like the, the unrestricted use of it now was yeah, not going to last. I mean, there, there were already people like Rogel Dawn who weren't... They weren't um, like savagely against it, but they were like, "I don't trust it." And Jagatai, his legion was very conservative with their use of the warp. A thousand sons were egregious to a lot of extents from the uh, the perspective of other legions of how much they used it. And the Blood Angels were kind of in the middle, so they said, "Right, we'll we'll draft this outline, kind of like the Codex Astarte for Psychers, and it'll be like, here's what you're allowed to do, because we know something bad's going to happen." And to be fair. One of the reasons why the the council happened is because the Space Wolves and Thousand Sons were, were doing a compliance together, and then one of the Astartes and the Thousand Sons started mutating into the flesh change, and then several more started transforming into monsters, and then Lehman Russ like capped them and was like, What is that? What is Magnus, what is that thing? And you know, Lorgar's there in between them, like going, Guys, stop fighting, stop fighting and you know <laughs> It reminds me exactly of that video where there's like the guy goes, they're like arguing on a lawn, and the guy goes, mm. Dad, Daddy, chill. And the guy goes, What even the hell is <laughs> oh, that? What <gosh>. knows <laughs> that one? I like to. Oh, but... Go ahead, sorry. Oh, go ahead. You know, ever always, like, they talk about how, like, a big of an issue and a trauma it was to the Thousand Sons. And, you know, to be fair, especially for Magnus watching your kid turn into that, probably a bit bit of a downer. But imagine me like just the space wolf or the word bearers. He's like, you know, you're fighting alongside the thousand suns. And then he turns into that apropos of nothing. You'd be mm. like, what in the name of God? Well, it's it's is not going just that. On? It's just one of them turns and then the others start to follow suit. And they're like, we've got to stop this. This is a, bi- this is a bigger problem than the people we're fighting. Oh, yeah, no. It's like you're just turning into um, monsters. Just for mm. reference for you, if you're new to Warhammer, the flesh change is uh, like a, it's a problem like a genetic defect where like it's kind of related to the use of psychic powers and essentially yeah. the marines like skin and body will tend to like bubble up inside and, like they'll explode into like a massive just like 
mutated if, flesh. Uh, mutation, yeah. You yeah. look up a chaos spawn, be it the model or the total warhammer, dark tide, any of those, is that they uh, turn yeah. into that. <laughs> and uh, I was going to say on the last section, I forgot to ask. Um, I was going to ask everyone who they their pick for Warmaster would have been. Like, if I start Gilliman. with uh, you, Colin. Oh. Colin, who do you think should Gilliman. have been Warmaster? Gilliman. I'd Why is that? Because he's the he's the administrative guy. I know some of his friend, like some of the Primarchs, aren't the biggest fans of him. You don't need to like the general in charge for him to be the best at the job. Like, okay, cool. Your brother Fair doesn't enough. like you. You you're the guy in charge. He's supposed to listen, anyways. I'm sorry. This you, is a military. Oh. Go ahead, sorry, I interrupted. I was, I was like, I'm sorry it's a military and not your frat club, but, you know, sometimes you gotta listen to the guy you don't like. What about you, Eli? Who would you have picked? I, I, I think probably Gilman as well. I think oh. that makes sense. Because, I don't know, I like Jagged Tide, but he's too independent. Fulgrim's too arrogant. Robo Dorn is too stoic. Pertorab was too jerky. Yeah. You mentioned about, like, when Horus was appointed, Rogel was a really good confidant, because, again he would actually work with Horus and be like, ah, I see a problem. And he was so kind of calm and he supported him. He wasn't resentful. Mm -hmm. He was like that, that cold water to the fire, to the fire of like a forge where he mm -hmm. was like, I can count on Rogel to, to advise me, um, which mm -hmm. is quite, but he, but he also said, I think himself that he wouldn't be the optimal uh, choice for Warmaster because he was too, he's too much of a brick wall. Like he would, he would just yeah. not suit the bill. Yeah. Um, I know yeah. Sanguinius is a, contentious like possibly point but again he's a bit too soft uh perturabo's mm, too harsh uh ferris manis is too too savage and how he fights and the line i think the line would be a good choice but he I would have to like if, if horus and dawn work together i think if you had the lion and gilliman together mm -hmm. that might have worked mm -hmm. yeah uh, i think gilliman would have been the best choice he has no glaring downsides whereas everyone else has big downsides no. i think uh in my opinion, I think the lion, it should have been like what they did in Imperium Secundus in a way, where uh, like yeah. one of them is ascendant, and then he has two advisors. So yeah. one of them is his like his war master, and then one of them is his like builder, like like how Gilliman yeah. or even. A... So that's the thing. You you could have a war master, but you could also have an accountancy master, and that's Gilliman. Yeah, I was gonna <laughs> say like there's a, it's that they want to you know complete the Roman uh, influence. I think mm. it was consuls. I, I think it was console. I can't remember the specific name though. So if I'm wrong, it's not console. But it's what it was was like you know one guy was in charge of the military aspects of Rome, one guy was in charge of uh you know at home during the time early time of the Republic. Co-emperors in there as well. That co-emperors. That, that yeah, that too. Later on, when the empire was a bit too big to sustain itself. Mm. Although, and it's uh, granted this is ten thousand years later, and Gilliman's had time to grow a bit as a person but you know Indominus Crusade he did pretty well with that and that was just him imagine what he could have done with all of his brothers oh well unfortunately coming back to what would be the a dividing action between the brothers uh, the Council of Nikea is I want to say raging on because it's not like a is it a snooze fest to be honest in terms of like there's no war but there are speeches from two sides I was saying before so there was uh, Magnus Jagatai and Sanguinius, who were the most vehement supporters, and those who were against were Lehman Russ, Mortarian, and kind of representatives from like many other different uh yeah, like, I think like, didn't want it either. Yeah. They're like representatives from like different places. In fact, actually I have a list here just of like how they all uh, mm. voted, essentially. So 
Lionel Johnson, uh, First Legion, he didn't refavor anyone. I think because he probably saw it as a tool. He he used psychers in his legion, but he yeah didn't think that strong. He wouldn't base strategy off them all the time. Fulgrim, um, he was okay with it, but again, Third Legion didn't really use psychers that much. Perturabo, um, against it, uh, probably saw them as weak, or again, you know, iron within, iron without, using some other ability probably didn't match up with him. Uh, Jaxai Khan, obviously vehement supporter. Uh, Lehman Russ hated it. He thought it was weakness, and it was all unclean because it wasn't uh, magic that went through the cleansing, quote-unquote, the cleansing uh, ritual of coming from Fenris. So, you know, good old Lehman Russ there, being a bit of a hypocrite. Mm -hmm. Um, Dawn uh, didn't really favor the use of it. I think, again, Imperial Fist didn't really see it as reliable. They're more of a stoic type, so it wouldn't really yeah they they, they didn't like them but they weren't super in they weren't into it but they weren't like preachy they were just like we don't think it's a good idea they wouldn't use it in their legion but they don't they didn't care about others really um conrad kurz uh he was pro psyker um i'm guessing that's probably because he was somewhat of a prescient man himself um sanguinius obviously pro psyker ferris um ferris again he's kind of of a hard head he kind of he was against the use of psychers, but not strongly. He was just like, ah, they're weak. It's hard to headbutt someone when you're doing all that thinking, you know? It's someone, <laughs> else, it's someone else's thing, essentially. It ruins the concentration. Ang- <laughs> Angron uh, hated it. You know, Angron's dislike, and so the World Eater's dislike of psychers was pretty well-known and strong. Gilliman didn't mind in the middle, really. Uh, Mortarian hated it. Obviously, his childhood is trauma from psychers, so yeah. Mortarian hated it. Uh, Magnus, obviously, the most strongest uh, proponent of psychic users, you know, the sorcerer king bathed in psychic abilities. Horus, um, he was, Horus was Warmaster at this time, so it's kind of, he didn't want to be seen as like favoring any psychs. Yeah, he'd he swing a, the vote. He had to, re- he had, a, he had like, um, a relationship to maintain with his brothers, so he kind of. But they tried to recruit him early on. Many other sides, like before the council came, but then once he was war master, he couldn't pick a side. You know, just as a as a war master, couldn't. Lorgar mm-hmm. was pro psyker, not strong, not said to be strongly so. Um, Vulcan pro psyker, not sure why. <laughs> Vulcan's probably like, oh, you know, if that makes them happy. Well, they, they have like the Promethean cult on Nocturne, which is kind of similar. Like, oh, we 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 follow the imperial truth, but we have spiritualism and. Uh, they're kind yeah. of flim flammy. Uh, Korax was more in favor of just um, the actual trial of the Thousand Suns and Magnus for them like stepping over the blurred lines of psychic use. And mm. Alpharius supported the use of psychers, but was it even really Alpharius? Who knows? And the Council of Nikea itself was in like a massive like coliseum, which obviously is quite appropriate. And the two sides gave their speeches. Um, there was a part where the uh, room priest, o- Othea Weirdmake, yep, weird name, as Weirdmake, but um, he actually was previously like a, a friend of Azek Ariman, the uh, first uh, captain of the Thousand Sons, and he kind mm-hmm. of betrayed their trust. And like, yeah, he- Lehman was like, "Be friends with him, so you can like spy on them." Yeah, so they kind of told them of how like 
the Thousand Suns use like weird abilities and they commune with like so-called spirits of the warp and it was like, oh, it's not looking good. But then your main man, Magnus the Red, steps up and he gives a, a rallying speech that speaks to the future and how we shouldn't fall to ignorance. And he thinks he's doing really well. The crowd is like kind of flipped now and it's more on the pro saga side mm. until the emperor looks into magnus and gazes into his memories and his soul and he sees what magnus has done and magnus himself has been consorting with warp entities he has yeah. been going beyond what the emperor told him he could explore within the warp he told him the warp was dangerous and at and, this point, he's done a deal with yeah. Seench to try and stop the the flesh change. And Seench went, oh, oh yeah. Although they don't know Seench. They don't. Oh know no, Siege. well, one of his his subjects. Yeah, is it like uh, it's not Kairos, but it, it's, it's someone one of the greater demons. And yeah. and he's like, I'll stop the flesh change. Teehee. and then it's <laughs> only for a bit. <laughs> but this just and then obviously as in many of the representatives from like psychers from the pro psycho legions had come forth, and then mm. once this happens. The Emperor just sees that his sons cannot be trusted, let alone how could the legions be trusted. So the Emperor declares the banning of psychic powers and the uh, dissolvement of the librarius within the legions. And this just rocks all the pro psychers. They all hate Magnus a little bit after this. Like yeah, you... Mortarian, everyone's least favorite asthmatic, does a little dance. And, uh, yeah. yeah. And uh, this, again, this changes the kind of how war of the great crusade will now be enacted as they can't use psychic powers but funny enough as magnus was leaving nikea in shame and just not happy with himself he was struck with a vision and this was a vision of what was going to happen to his brother horace and i'll pass over to andy to tell him oh to tell us sorry exactly what happened to horace lupercal well uh so during the, the Council of Nikea, several of the Primarchs couldn't be present because they were doing their own thing. Like, for example, Jagatai couldn't be there, so he sent Targetai Yusugai, his like advisor for psychic stuff. And Horus was no different. He was currently uh, doing a, a bit of compliance across the world, uh, across the galaxy, and he happened upon a human civilization known as the Interrex, uh, I believe it was. And... They're, they're, you know, uh, we, we're, we're kind of done a lot of our fighting. We'd, we'd, we'd like to just bring humans into the fold without killing too many of them. So let's do some diplomacy. Uh, and the Interacts are like, yeah, 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 we'll have a chat, we'll have a chat. And at this time, this is, this is basically the events of the first couple of Horus Heresy books, or the first Horus Heresy book. And, you know, Horus is loved by the Imperium. He's very charismatic. His Lunar Wolves are the, the gold standard to which all the Legions should aspire to. They've currently been fighting on this planet designated as as murder by the Astartes, where they're fighting these big bugs, and it's, you know, the Lunar Wolves and the Blood Angels and all sorts. And during this time, it's worth mentioning that the Word Bearers have already uh, joined the forces of Chaos in betraying the Imperium. Lorgar's already gone through his pilgrimage and become a bit cringe, and uh, as a... As a as planting a seed of betrayal, he asks his first chaplain, Erebus, to uh, to be the advisor of his legion to accompany the War Master during his compliances across the stars. Now, during the meeting with the Interrex, uh, Erebus kind of saunters off, and uh, he, he kind of steals something from their armory of ancient and weird and wonderful Xenos artifacts and weapons. 
and he he takes their most most heavily guarded artifact known as the anafame sword which is this big kind of crystalline jet black sword um and it's it looks very primitive but it has obviously some kind of great power to it and behind the scenes he uh he is he kind of he escapes undetected the interrex go um i know we're going through you know a bit of a parlay right now but um there's there's re something really important missing from our armory uh, Horus, you wouldn't happen to know anything about that. And Horus at this point is going, I didn't do anything. What? Armory? And yeah, the, the, the peace talks sour, uh, conflict arises, and the Lunar Wolves are slap bang in the middle while Erebus starts uh, starts his uh, plotting behind the scenes. Now, during all of this, uh, it's worth mentioning that Horus had a very uh, close relationship to a... Uh, an agent of the Imperial uh, Administratum and uh, military called Eugen Temba, who at this point was a planetary governor. And they got on well, as well as a Primarch and a mortal human could be, getting along. And Erebus, you know, goes to the planet of Darwin, which has been recently conquered by the War Master, and goes, hey, Eugen, here's this really important thing. Keep Keep an eye on it for me, would you? And I don't think it's mentioned exactly how this happens, but... I guess through the influence of the Anafame dagger, Eugen becomes slowly enthralled by the plague god known as Nurgle. And it doesn't take long until Eugen becomes this bloated, necrotic, zombie creature thing uh, that is now in control of the entire Davin population. And as such, the planet completely rebels. There are zombie thralls in the streets, eating people alive, and at some point Horus hears words that Darwin has rejected the uh, the Imperial truth, and they are rebelling. So he sends his Lunar Wolves to investigate, he goes down on the planet and goes, what is going on, what are these zombies doing around here? And eventually he, he figures out where the, the power, the source of the power is emanating, and it's the big uh, administrative you know, palace, the, the seat of governance, governance, and he finds Eugen Temba completely transformed. There's a really cool piece of artwork I'll put up on the edit where it's just, you know, Eugen with the sword and he's all bloated and he's like missing his, a lot of his face and he's like, Bleh. and he goes, he oh like, no. Um, is he like um fat bastard from uh, Austin <laughs> Powers? Like, get in my belly. Get in my belly. Uh, <laughs> he's pretty grim. Uh, for some reason, he reminds me more like, um, like something you'd see from like left uh left for dead or something like a weird zombie special special infected kind like, of um, thing i was to the one uh oh, the final no they did a remake of it at the recent zombie game uh, and it's got like um oh my god i'm drawing a massive blank it's oh my god what's the name of the game and it's like they have like um it's the resident evil that's it and oh uh, right is that something from like Resident Evil? Almost? Yeah, you could imagine this guy being like Resident Evil as like a weird special infected. Um, but either way, Horus goes right. I guess I'll have to kill him. There's obviously something weird going on. It's no big deal. He's just a, he's just a corrupted baseline human. I just like swipe him with my uh, lightning claws, and this will be done. Unfortunately, uh, during the killing blow he deals to Eugen, Eugen drives the Anafame dagger straight into Horus's shoulder, I believe it is, and it goes really deep and it penetrates the skin. It, jabs into his arm and he goes oh ow i'm a primarch i've never felt pain like this before and he goes into a coma and at this point uh the the advisors to the war master the mornaval which are like the elite 
gathering of advisors drawn from the captains of the the Sons of Horus Legion. They're freaking out. You know, Abaddon's there, Garvio Loken, uh, like headless chickens a little bit. Yeah, yeah they're <laughs> like, oh god, dad is da- dad is da- <laughs> dad Daddy's, is down. Dad Daddy's is down. dying. Daddy's yeah. dying, guys. What do we do? <laughs> yeah, and Ew. they're like, they go to they I go know. to the vengeful Jeez. spirits. They're like, um, hey nerds in the apothecary, dad's not waking up. What's the deal? And the apothecaries are like, I've never seen a wound like this before. I don't know why they're German. It's like, I have never seen a wound like this before in the Primark. He is not waking up, no matter how many steroids I give him. And um, again, I don't know why the accent. And all of a sudden, um, Erebus saunters in with a shit-eating grin and goes, um, Oh, Horace is looking a bit, you know, a bit, a bit pale these days. Oh, ah, it's a shame we can't wake him up. Why does you remind me of the uh, bit from Family Guy where they, like, he hits his shin and he goes, Ah! <laughs> in the shoulder. Ah! Horace hit his shin really bad. Mm. <laughs> Out for the count. And basically Erebus goes, mm, Have you tried everything? And they're like, Yes, Erebus, we don't like you, but we've tried everything. Shut up, go away. And he goes, I might know one way. That we could we could sort out your Primark and the like. Oh, go on, tell us. So it's like, oh, I don't think you want to know. It's a bit <laughs> of a risky thing. I don't know. It's like Erebus come and say, I don't know. It's kind of against the Imperial truth. He's so got his hand, like his fingers oh, are laced man. behind his back, and he's kind of like pivoting yeah. on his foot. He's, he's doing that thing where he's like rubbing the, the, the base of his foot left and right, and going, and shaking his head back and forth. I don't know. He, it's kind of saucy, guys. Yeah, that, and that's the kind of way he would say it. It's like, I don't know, guys. And eventually, like, I guess Abaddon like points a bolter and goes, like, tell us or shut up. And he goes, okay, right, you know Davin, the planet where he was wounded? Um, Rumour is there's this, uh, this, uh, this serpent lodge on the moon above Darwin, I believe it is. And there are these weird shaman people here. And I don't know about you, it's not like the apothecary is doing anything. This is probably the only other thing we could try. Let's go to the moon of Darwin. Let's go to this weird temple. We already have warrior lodges that the word bearers put in there to begin with. But, you know, it's fine. It's a, it's a lodge. We all have lodges. You're part of a lodge. I'm part of a lodge. Yay. Religion. What? Nothing. Okay. Come in. Uh, let's let's get a shuttle. We'll go how to the... They, how, I always want... How the hell do they lift Horace? Like, do they get a crane or do they, like, do they cough, <laughs> coffin dance him like into the, the uh, transport? <laughs> it's heavy. The idea of... Um, yeah, Ezekiel and Horus Aksaman doing the the, the yeah the, the coffin dance into the temple is quite good. Um, but yeah, they, they get him there with a crane or something, I don't know. Um, so undignified, you can imagine that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, they get they take him to the Davonite shamans, you know, they've got these purple eyes and they're a bit weird and they're like, oh, I don't know about this, guys. And Garvio Loken and um, Gorgadon, who are members of the Mournaval, are like, we're not, no, mm, that's... Mm, mm. No, that that's that's a bit sus, bro. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be party to this. And uh, they take him to the the shamans. The shamans put him into a ritual, and during the ritual, Horus is kind of subsumed by the the warp. And within the roiling tides of the warp, he's confronted by the ruinous powers. And they go, "Oh, hello, Horus. Uh, I don't know about you, but um, we think your dad's a bit cringe." And they show him all these uh 
future portents, these visions of a, a dystopian future where, you know, there's throngs of people doing hard labor under the lash of the whip and there's big statues of the emperor looking down on them and they're worshipping him as a god and there's all these servitors everywhere and it's dystopian and there's clouds and terrible music in the background and Horace goes, oh, this is dreadful, you know. Very grim, dark, some reason. What the hell? Yeah, very grim, you know. And uh, he has no idea that he's basically the cause of all this. And he goes, oh, no, this is really bad. And, and Magnus at this point kind of intervenes, I believe, as like a, a wolf. He like projects himself as a weird wolf in this like forest of like this trip, this bad trip that Horus is happening, having. And he's like, oh, there's a one eyed wolf. That's weird. And he's like, Horus, don't do it. It's a trap. It's bad. And Horus goes, I don't know. Looks pretty bad for a future, and it kind of makes sense. And Dad's not telling me what he's doing on Terra, so I assume it's this is the this is what's going to cause it. He's doing some weird thing on Terra that's going to ruin the world and the galaxy as we know it. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna do what they say. And the the ruinous powers basically promise him, hey, look, you kill the Emperor, you can remold the galaxy in your image, you can take control. We'll just be happy that the the anathema is gone and we can thrive. And you can remill, you can remold the galaxy in your image, and it'll be, be it'll be better. Yeah, cool. And so Horus wakes up, and now he is the reborn Primarch, the reborn War Master of Chaos, Horus Lupercal. And he will then go forth to plot the the first opening stages of the uh, the Horus Heresy. But just before he can do that, Magnus the Red, reeling from this quick interaction he's had, goes, "Damn, I've got to, I've got to warm Dad. I've got to warm Dad." He projects his mind to Holy Terror. He tries to contact the Emperor. He gets to the palace. It's like spirit form. Gets to the Paris palace. And he goes, there's like a wall here. Why is there a wall? There didn't used to be a big wall here, like a psychic barrier. Oh, well. Kicks the front door in with some, with some help from his warp friends. Completely ruins the webway project that the Emperor has been doing in secret. Um, the Emperor's not happy. He goes, oh, God, what have you done? This is like the biggest, most important thing I've ever done. That's ruined and there's demons everywhere and they're messing with the decor. Right. We're going to have to go censure the Thousand Sons. And then that's basically setting the table for the Horus Heresy where everything comes crashing down with aplomb. Uh, unless there's anything I've missed, Hal, is there anything you wanted to add? I just had like the ridiculous image of like the Chaos Gods are like, trying to corrupt Horus and he's go, oh we'll show you the Emperor's secret and it just pans like a video like the Emperor's like dressed up as a VTuber <laughs> and he's like welcome back it wasn't even me this time <laughs> and he's like got cat ears on and Horus goes no this cannot be the Emperor's selling his bath water on the uh, on the webway oh, that's gross <laughs> oh god yeah, um, I said when uh, the thing I will add is when Magnus breaks the uh, webway sort of psychic barrier, and he rockets through the uh, webway itself into the portal that's underneath the Imperial Palace. Uh, when he appears in front of the Emperor, this is like Magnus's soul for if you're uh, kind of new to Warhammer, because he's, he's projected his soul to help save Horus. And that didn't work. So he again projected his soul across the uh, galaxy towards Terra. And when he appears in the throne, like room, he's like a burning, like effigy kind of figure. And the custodians and like 
Imperial, like, you know, the Guardians of the Emperor, they don't recognize him as, like, a Primarch. They just think of him as an enemy. Like, what is that? Yeah. What is that? And Magnus just goes, what have I done? Because he starts to hear, mm. like, the screaming horde of the demons behind him. He's like, how the hell? Yeah, Magnus, for people who don't know, like, is very arrogant. And he never could believe that he'd be tricked into doing something like this. And uh, even he thought he could save Horus by, like, defying the Edict of Nikea and using his psychic powers to project himself to save Horus there. That's yeah, the Emperor's uh, like, what did I just say? <laughs> yeah, so he, he didn't get to explain himself, Magnus. And then basically all the Emperor saw was, wait, so you used your psychic powers against the Edict of Nikea and then just and broke my favorite to. toy. And I know you've already been talking to like demons in the warp. Uh-oh, here we go. Kill him, kill him. He's gone too far. Yeah. yeah. So heresy begins. That's all I'll say, other than the comment of the Emperor being a VTuber. Yeah. What about Colin? What's your uh, thoughts slash opinions? Uh, Magnus did everything wrong. True. And, uh, I've been trying to think of a, a way to keep that horrid train going, uh, but I couldn't think of any apt comparisons mm. for the VTuber thing. Uh, other that, <laughs> if the Emperor was a VTuber, who would he be? <laughs> I'm not answering that. No, that's pretty wise. I'm not answering in- that because my knowledge is. I'm not. I'm. I'm keeping. Uh, I'm, I'm keeping that on lockdown for when Andy gives more bullshit quiz answer <laughs> questions. I like the idea that you're like amassing like like rounds of ammunition to be like when the moment is right. <laughs> it's like what, what about the, um, sleeping what about giant you? of America in World War Two? I'm boarding my weapons. <laughs> oh God. What about you, Eli? Though, because you obviously you. You're very much a supporter of the uh, the idea of like the being, you know, the false emperor, death to the false mm-hmm. emperor. Anything uh, about Magnus in general, or just like the corruption of Horus, maybe even the Great Crusade. Oh, uh, well, Magnus yeah, was wrong. I'll say that Magnus deserves way more hate in the community. Yes. Everyone's hating on Perturabo and Fulgrim, and he's freaking mean, Magnus I, I, and Mortarian over here. Like, what the heck? I, I, mm. I could agree, I could agree with Fulgrim needs less hate. I think Perturabo is quite quite in a comfortable level. <laughs> yeah, he did kill his adopt his like uh, sister figure as well. Like, uh, it's kind of hard to empathize with you anymore. He is he is definitely a psychopath, but he's cool. There is. One thing about Magnus and the Emperor specifically that always bugs me, which is that like, like he tore open a, por- a hole in the webway thing, right? Like that's you know that's why the Emperor was not very happy with Magnus. That and the whole sorcery thing he used to get there. Would it have been that hard for the Emperor to just look at the other end? It's like the hole's already been ripped open. You you can't put the wall back up. You might as well peek outside and see if Magnus is right. Like, surely that's something that's at least I mean, worth looking into. I know this is an analogy, but I imagine if, like, you had, like, a son and you were, like, doing a project in the study and all of a sudden he crashes through the room and then, like, there's water leaking through, like, a, a lot of water. Like, I would, the first thing I'd be doing, like, plug the hole, plug the hole, get out so I can plug the hole. Like, and the hole is not water, like, I, the hole is like demons. demons. It's demons eating I, people. And, like, like, like that, I, I think that would be, like, all of my cognitive powers. Like, plug the hole, plug the hole. I, I, There's, like, a billion people under the planet. Oh, no, plug the hole. It's da- it's dangerous. I guess that's fair, but the news my son brings to me in this case is my other son is trying to kill me. I feel like that's at least worth slightly more than send my third son to go deal with the second son i feel like that's worth an intervention the thing is the emperor did did say 
Lehman, bring him to Terra. We need to like put him on trial so he can explain himself. It's only because of Horus that they get slaughtered. So, I mean, in a way, that is what I mean, basically yeah, it's just, like, he did. My thing is like, surely if Magnus can psychically project himself, surely the Emperor can too. Why didn't he just do that and like have a little like peek, like, oh, this is going on with Horus, or what? What did, what did Magnus find? Let me read his mind because I'm the Emperor. The Emperor couldn't leave the Golden Throne. Because he, didn't to, yeah, well, he didn't need to leave. Like, just, a, just a psychic projection. No, because no, once the webway was burst, he sits on the Golden Throne and uses his psychic power to hold back the tides of demons. Yeah, you could have like, pushed him back. could have spared just a little bit of energy. Just go, look. I mean, that's him to go. The just look. There. We wouldn't have the Horus Heresy then. Yeah, I know we wouldn't. <laughs> I don't know. My, my, my assumption is that it's probably like if I if I like try to also contact Magnus, something might slip through, and then oh no, we've now got like demons across the planet, and then maybe and some the of my custodians will get killed, and maybe loads of pop. Nah, I gotta I gotta commit fully so we can bring Magnus here. So it's just like okay, I'm hot like like one hand on like the burst seam, like okay. Now explain yourself. <laughs> Just like leaning against the wall where the, the puncture is. Like, okay, while I'm doing this, tell me why you did this, and maybe you can help me like seal it forever with both of our power combined in like proximity. But again, like we'll we'll never know. We'll I think know. it's simply more of the emperor being incapable of coming down from his high horse and allowing anyone else to pick up the slack. True. Inquisitor. I'm, I'm dialing my Inquisitor right now. I'm zero, uh, zero, zero. With, uh, Death is a false emperor. I <laughs> <laughs> did have one more thing before you then. What's everyone's favorite uh, minor Xenos civilization that the Imperium fought against? Ooh, Do you have Yoda. <laughs> All right. That's, <laughs> that's just being spirited. That's his favorite, though, so that's one positive. Yeah. I'd say the... Uh, Probably the slaw, the the maggot men, because they're pretty terrifying. Like they just devour like people's brains, and then they just like they look at you like hungry, and they just like skitter over to you, and they literally just like suck you up. Mm. Mm. That's why place. one of the primarchs was um was banished just because he kissed one on the lips <laughs> with like tongue. They're like, get, get, him, get him out of here. Yeah. What are you calling? I quite like the uh, the Rangda, uh, partially because I like the idea of just. Like it makes, it always makes the universe feel more full when there's another like big player on the block. Like obviously they were destroyed and defeated, but just like just the Xeno civilization, like they're not related to really anything. They're just here. You know, I like when it's as a sci-fi universe. I like that they're, they're just a neutral faction. <laughs> they're just maybe not even neutral, but just like they're just these Xenos that are large and in charge. It took three wars to kill them down. And that's also why, because they're very, uh, they're in a way, they're like the Carthage of 40k, which doesn't have too much inspiration in 40k, but, you know, that's like, there, there's a, there was three Punic Wars, three wars to defeat the Rangdon, uh, the slaves that the Rangdon used, kind of similar to Carthage employing mercenaries against Rome. I quite like them. Oh, I never saw it that way. That's yeah. quite interesting. Quite, mm. quite like Marangda. Hopefully they'll make a book about it, or they'll, they'll do more. I doubt they will, but like, that would have been cool. Uh, you um, never know. I mean, how many times were the Thunder Warriors killed off for real, and then they kept showing up somewhere <laughs> else? True. I haven't even read the uh, uh, 
the book about like, the last few survivors. I think you have Andy. Which one's that one? It's called. Oh, um, is that the um? Is that the lost? Uh, not the lost and the damned. That's the uh, the the something dead. The um, outcast the dead. Yeah, outcast. And Usha, dead. Uh, it's not. Usha. It's a cool it's book. Like a, yeah, Thunder Warrior crime. Well, Lord. I would like, say, I'm in like, yeah. there's there's him, and I know there's like there was a group of them on some prison planet. The World Eaters had to deal mm. with, and then there was one in the. I know we're jumping ahead a bit. A bit of a spoiler for the Siege of Terror, but there was one that saved the custodies, and the custodian was like, "What are you doing here?" <laughs> Damn, that's cool. Oh yeah, it's didn't like he kill him? Super Smash Brothers thing. It's just like <laughs> Every, everyone here. is here. <laughs> everyone is here. Yeah, even the Thunder Warriors with their like non-healable cancers. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> but, didn't he kill the uh, Thunder Warrior after as well? I think he did, but I think the Thunder Warrior also might have requested it. <laughs> Like mercy. Yeah, probably like partially. I think it might have been some stupid honor. My time has passed, and some of it also might have been the horrible rampaging cancer that the man's body was yeah. probably forty percent tumor by that point. Yeah, oh, that's an image. Um, I know um, the one in the, the the book is like trying to find a cure, and I think he manages it, and then he's never been brought up in the universe again. Like, where is he? He's really interesting as a character. Oh well. Guess we'll never know. He's not a space marine. He's not got main character energy. Um, with that being said, though, that was a general overview of like kind of the main highlights of the Great Crusade. We will be going through the events more um, Legion specific in the coming timeline videos. So we didn't neglect them. Don't worry. But they'll obviously there's a lot to talk about because obviously every Legion was mm. doing something. Yeah. So we'll having a dedicated uh, videos to that and the emperor definitely being... watches pippa there i got it in <laughs> oh no he got it in at the end um with that being said though thank you so much for listening and watching um hopefully that was useful if you're new to warmer and hopefully that was a nice kind of uh deep dive into the uh general setting maybe you didn't know that if you were into warhammer already and yeah, with that being said, thank you so much for listening and watching, and hopefully we'll catch you on the uh, next one. I think we'll be, might be doing some uh, we might be doing some chapters or legions. We haven't quite decided yet, but we'll obviously mm. it'll be something spicy. And uh, with that being said, uh, catch you all next time. Take Peace. care, everyone. Bye-bye. I love you. <laughs>